last week we talked to, uh, about the prodigal son, and uh, we talked about crazy grace, crazy grace, and man, that, that story really highlights uh, exactly that thought, man, it's, it's grace that really, beyond a religious mind for sure, but beyond even a human mind, man, it's, it's hard to grasp uh, the place that the prodigal was to, to the place that he ended out and the, the circumstances and situations that, that really allowed him to go right back uh, to his father. And today, today, instead of the prodigal son, the Lord had put this on me. And, and how many know, when you preach the whole counsel of God, there's balance. There's always balance. You know, sometimes if you just come for one Sunday and hear one message, you're going to think, well, that brother Lee is just all the way over here on this or whatever. But when you, when you preach the whole counsel of God, his word balances everything out. It always has. And that's why it's important to study the whole book. That's why it's important to know the, the old scriptures and the, the, the stories and what God's like, and as well as everything in the new, but it balances. But today, I want to talk to you about, a, instead of a prodigal son, I want to talk to you about a prodigal king. A prodigal king. And instead of talking about crazy grace this morning, I want to talk to you about painful grace. Painful grace. Because just as crazy as crazy grace is and effective, painful grace is just as painful, but it's just effective. And I'm going to tell you what, God, God, God goes to whatever extreme. He's not willing. My mouth tells me he's not willing that any should perish. Not any. Not any. If you're here this morning, he's not willing. He's willing to go. Yeah, he'll do crazy things. He'll give you a crazy path back and offer you crazy things that you can't believe. But I'm going to tell you what. He'll also bring affliction. Amen. There's where she went quiet. But he will bring affliction. And he'll use it in the form of grace to also bring you back. Amen. Amen. So I want to share this little story with you this morning. If you don't mind, we'll stand for We'll read this verse. And then I, we'll go through the story together. But it's in 2 Chronicles, and we'll pick up the story actually at the last part of the 32nd chapter of the 33rd verse of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and actually the story goes into 33, but I'm not going to read it twice. I'm just going to kind of go through it this morning uh, as we preach it and uh, hear it for the one time. Uh, and the Bible says this, And Hezekiah slept with his father. How many members? King Hezekiah, one of the great kings, one of the good kings. He had some flaws, yeah, but don't we all? Amen. But he was, overall, man, he was a good and a righteous, a good king. He done good things for God, good things for God. But, and, it, and it shows it even in this scripture because they buried him in the chiefest of the He was honored. He was honored. Put him in the chief. He got the chief graveyard or the chief spot in the graveyard. You know, he didn't get the, he didn't get the little corner over there next to everything. He got the good spot. Not that it really matters, I don't think, but it's still a plaything of honor. It's a thing of honor. So, so in the sepulchres of the sons of David and all of Judah, all and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they did honor him at his death. And here comes my prodigal king. And Manasseh, his son, began his reign in his stead. And here comes the prodigal king, come from a godly, godly heritage. His father, his mother, or however how you can say it. Uh, it's, easy, it's easy for a few scholars to say, but us rednecks, not so much. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but 
coming from such a godly heritage, got so far away, but God's grace. Come on, somebody. God's grace. Come on, let's thank the Lord for God's grace again this morning. Let's bless his name. I know they've worked you fire. I love you this week. But Sister Lisa, you go ahead and ask the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for that grace, God, that will draw us in no matter what, God, because you don't want us to go to hell. You want us to go into your kingdom and be with you. God, help us to hear your word today and receive from your throne room. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord the glory. Give the Lord the glory this morning. Amen. Come on, give him the glory. Give him, give him like it's crazy grace glory. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. You, you can be seated this morning. Uh, we'll turn to 33 and 1 this morning, and we'll kind of proceed along. But one of the things I want to I bring out for the next few verses in, in this story is it, it seems like Scripture Scripture goes a really long ways in these first four, five, six verses, seven verses. It really takes great length. It seems like it really, really, really tries to paint a very dark picture of this king named Manasseh. It really matter goes over. It's like, it's, like, it's like when you read it, it's like, dang, I get it. I get it. It's like this, this really pounded. And if it ain't enough for you, you can turn to 2 Kings 21, and you even get even a little darker picture. Because actually, in 2 Kings 21, it kind of goes into even some details. It takes it even a little further than than the Chronicles do here in this story. But the idea of what I want you to see is, is for, for, for the scriptural, no doubt with purpose, no doubt with great purpose, God wants us to, to see just how dark this line in Manasseh's life was. You know, you keep going over and over something, it just gets darker and darker and darker. And I feel like that's what the Lord was done, doing. But let's, start, let's look at this story right quick, and let's, let's just see the picture that he, that he paints. Manasseh, of course, was 12 years old. And how, many, how many of that's way too probably a high position for a, a young man of 12 to have? How, how, many, how many knows that's probably a place that he, he probably wasn't ready for, obviously, as we'll see? How many at 12, you're probably not ready to, re, ready to lead one of the greatest nations and people of God on earth? You know, it's just probably not. And, and you know, we've, we've talked a lot about immaturity in, in, in Wednesday nights a couple weeks ago. And I'm sure there were a lot of things that he was not prepared for in this. But kind of, I kind of bring that out. I bring that out just to give him a little bit of a break in his early years. I give him some 12-year-old mistakes. But, but he reigns for 55 years. You know what, I think this is true. I didn't really research it, but I think this is one of the worst kings who reigned the longest. You know, I, I, find, I, find, I find that scripture about God is long-suffering. So long-suffering. He waits and he waits. So just because you've got a good run going here today don't necessarily mean you got it together. Maybe it is that God... Is long suffering. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. But he reigned, he reigned 55 years. That was a long time for a 12-year-old to be king, wasn't it? Amen. And then here's where the picture begins. Verse 2. Verse 2. But he listen, he did that which was evil, that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And I'd like to just jump in right here. Because the picture places this, this godly, coming from a godly heritage, 
coming from Hezekiah and Hephzibah, whatever how you say her name, coming, coming from this family, coming from a family who knew God, not only did they know God, man, they know God's power. This is, he was born, he was a product, he was a product of God's power. I don't know if you realize this, but it had not been for God blessing Hezekiah, giving him a miracle, Hezekiah would have been dead before Manasseh was ever born. He would have died some three years before. But, but Hezekiah, Hezekiah, remember, turned his face to the wall when he found out he, he must die. Get your house in order for you must die and you cannot live. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. And before the prophet could get him out the front gate, he had turned him around. And told him, you know, I've heard this prayer. And, and, and he gave him, what, the 15 more years. Blessed him with 15. So, so I'm sure, let me just tell you, I guarantee at supper time, that if, if there was some things going on or whatever, I guarantee they looked at Manasseh and said, you know, man, if it were not for God, if it weren't for his power, if it weren't for what he did, you wouldn't even be here. A lot of us might be like that. We're products of, of power of God, products of miracle, product of what God did through even somebody else's life. I just want to tell you, that's my life story. These last 26 years since the Lord gave me my reprieve, everything that's went on from that, it's just been because of God. It's not anything I have did, it's God. I, I'm here again this morning because of God saw fit to spare me 20-some years ago. And that's what I'm saying. My, my, you know, these grandkids, all these things that I'm getting, it's just, I'm thankful because God. But that's where he was at. And this is, this is the part that I feel like is going to make this story a little darker. I bring all that because God's trying to make us a dark, a dark story right here in the beginning. He wants you to see how dark it is because, because I'm going to tell you what, sin is a little more grievous when it comes from a holy, a holy one that's been raised up in the holy, one that's been raised up among God, one that knows. I just want to tell you something. It is. Where much is given, much is required. He was raised up with a faithful father, a godly man, one who trusted God. He was raised up, off, I know, off of the the breast milk of his mother, but also off the prayer, nursing off the prayer of a godly mother. Very much so. And therefore, it makes where he goes in this first part of this story that much the more heinous. Sin is more wicked when we know. When you come from holy stock. Amen. There's things, there's things now in my life that I would never could ever entertain because now I know things that I once thought wasn't such a big deal before I knew, now I cannot because I know. I know. It makes it a darker, it makes it tougher. He knew, and he knew the power. He knew the faithfulness of God. Amen. You cannot, some of you in here, you can't sin as cheap as others. You wonder what the heck is going on out there. You wonder what the heck's going on in your workplace. You wonder what the heck's going on in your church sometimes. You're thinking, how can they sin that cheap? Well, I'm going to tell you what. You can never sin that cheap when you come from that holy stock that you know. Does that make any sense? 
You can't. You just can't. And that, that's what makes this story more grievous. Makes the sin darker because he knows. But he began to sin. He began to, he began to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. I want to tell you something. He might have had the blood of David in his veins. But he didn't have the ways in his heart. He surely didn't. And he began, he began to go down this path. And the, the picture gets like, because he took it even further. Not only was it evil, but it was, it was like unto. Like unto the abominations of the heathen. This is this, this was this, 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 out of this holy family. And out, a protege. Out of holy stock. And he's off into these abominations. And, and, and these abominations, he, he knows that the Lord has made an example out of that in times past. Because he has, God has dealt with them by casting them out before them. How many know this book? This book is full of examples. This book here that we got before us today is full of examples and, 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 and that, that, that show us, that teach us. 2 Corinthians, we're not going to go there because I ain't got time, but 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about that. It talks about four or five examples that were made so that we would know, that we would know. But that's what he knows. He knows these things. Verse 3, we've got we to gotta continue on. It gets darker. And this just kind of goes into a little bit of detail. He built again the high places. Everything that his father Hezekiah done for the spiritual good of a nation, for the spiritual good of a people, everything that he did, everything that he done, Manasseh tried to undo it. Tried to tear it down. Tried to bring it back. Tried to undo everything that Hezekiah would do. Everything that was done, he would try to undo it. Everything that was done for, for good, he wanted to undo. Everything that his father did, he wanted to undo it. He wanted to undo it. And he went, took it even further. He, he broke down the walls. He reared, he built up then altars for Balaam. This is really where it gets, it just gets foul and foul. See, what, what, what scriptures is doing here is trying to paint us a picture that's so black. And one that's so far away. One that knew better. You know what they say about people that know better. Well, just let him lie in his bed. He made it. How many of you ain't you glad God? At the end of this story, you'll see God. God don't operate like that. Come on, somebody. Ain't you glad that you didn't have to lie in the bed you made? I've made a few beds that I'm awful tickled that I don't have to crawl in every night. Hey! Amen! Grace built me another one. Amen. Amen. But, but it got heinous. He built up these altars for Balaam. He made groves and worshipped. All these, all these other deities, all these, and serve, not only that, but serve them. Verse 4. He built altars. Now, here's, here's this going over the top. He built altars in the house of the Lord. Yeah. For the Lord said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. This ain't never supposed to happen. And he built Altars for the whole host of heaven, even in the two courts of the house of the Lord. I don't even know how heinous to make that in this New Testament setting. I, I don't know the good example, you know, I don't know what, what abominable thing 
I mean, I got ideas, but I won't bring them up because I still don't think I can touch where this was. Amen. Amen. Verse 6. Verse 6. And he calls, listen, he calls his own children. His own children. You thought it was black. And maybe you couldn't grasp it, but man, it, you can grasp this. He calls his own children to pass through the fire. He, he, he would, scriptures, he, he would actually sacrifice his children to Moloch. The fire, baptism by fire, death by fire. His own children. You know, we got something like that, I guess, with abortion and what all in this age that we live in. But this is just crazy. I cannot imagine. I can't imagine how dark you have to be to take four-year-old, five-year-old and see him sacrifice to his devilish God in fire. Can you? This kind of grace that I'm going to preach on this morning is almost offensive, ain't it? Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. He would they pass him and th through the, the son of, of uh, Hinnom. Also, he observed times. He used enchantments. He used witchcraft. I mean, anything you can think of. And I believe that was his mindset. Anything I can think of. Far as I can go. Far as I can take it. So far, he dealt with familiar spirits, with wizards, devils and demons, bowed at, at hell's door, death and all these things. Amen. He wrought much evil. He worked much evil in the sight of the Lord to even provoke him to anger. Oh, yeah, it ups, it, I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not about to promote any greasy grace in this message at all. No, no, no. It, it, it angered God. Those sort of things stir the wrath. There is still such a thing. There is still such a thing of the indignation of God. There is still such a thing. Amen. Amen. Provoked him to, to anger. Verse 7, first part of this. Here, here it is. He set up. This was kind of like the, the, the old, this was like the straw. This was like it. This is like bang. I mean, there is, there is like that place. There is just like that place. Like, that's it. I felt like I'd come to that in my life. I didn't do anything like this, but I felt like I was at my last call. I felt like I had rejected and fled and been as heinous as I was in my own life, as evil as I was in my life for the last time. I sensed that. And this is kind of what happened to him. He, he set and carved image, an idol that he had made in the house of God. I mean, how crazy would that be? Y'all show up one Sunday and I've got like, I don't know, I don't even know, a golden bull. I don't know, something up here. And I'm like, hey, y'all. You know, how weird would that be? You, you know, that's like getting over the top, ain't it? Right here. Now, come on, let's sing some praise and worship over the, this golden bull or whatever I've set up in here. It's crazy. It's crazy. He set up all this in the, in the, house, in the house of God. Verse 8. Verse 8. Of course, 
let, let me back up to verse 7. Let me finish verse 7. I, I didn't finish it. I'm sorry. But he set up his car of enemies and of, in the house of God, of which God had said to David and Solomon his son, in the house in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name. This is, what, this is supposed to be my place forever, forever. And this, 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 is, this is just God saying this is the end of it. This is God saying this is as far as it goes. It's a dangerous place when you've went as far as God's willing to let you go. Come on. How many in here, I'm just wondering, how many of you have ever sensed that they went about as far? Just be honest. Yeah, I appreciate that. I feel like I've just about went as far, just about as far as I can. It's a dangerous place, but it's also, also maybe a graceful place because you realize, you realize where I'm at. This is as far as I can go. So, so, he, so I will put my name forever, verse 8, verse 8. Verse 8, neither will I anymore remove the foot of Israel. This is this what he was saying. This was the plan. This is the way it was supposed to be in. They, uh, they were supposed to be in here the, where I had appointed their fathers. So will they take heed to do all that I've commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. Now, verse 9. So Manasseh and Judah. This is kind of the sum of everything because this is the end. Now, this is as dark as it's going to be. Is it, like I said, you can find a little more in 2 Kings 21. But he's, this is this is a sum total. Here it is. He says, so Manasseh made Judah in the heavens of Jerusalem to err. To err. I thought about this. Man, he was supposed to be the shepherd of this great nation. Just like a lot of us are, are shepherds in our own right. You're shepherd of your family or shepherd at your work or, or shepherd or whatever. Like I pastor. Some of y'all have different roles with ladies or children or various other roles or, or whatever where you you're you're a leader of some sort mothers fathers you shepherd you shepherd how, how bad how dark is it that this 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 is really the sum of what was going on this is really the sum of what goes on in this world sometimes in our life is is that those that were supposed to be leading were seduced into evil think about that we, we've got a friend, and I'll not call her name. She's not even from around here. Actually, she, we, we know her from acquaintances from years ago. And Cindy still keeps up with her through Facebook. And, and, and their son just turned 21. Their son just turned 21. And uh, she might listen to this. If she does, it might do her good. Her son just turned 21 yesterday. And you know what they did to celebrate? They went to get drinks. And, 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 and like I said, I know this is a new age, but I, I'm still into God's age. I, I still believe it that way. But they went to get drinks to celebrate that he can now drink legally. And I'm like, are you kidding? And they're, they're I'm going to do this, Christian. But how, how in the world, them, them that's supposed to be leading, shepherding, Causing her own son, or them, mother and father, causing their own children to err. And I will say this, what we, what we allow, this is what happened. They ended up doing even worse than the heathen. You see, I will say this, because, because what we allow in moderation, those that are following us, will go to extremes, excess. You, you, 
you celebrate that one drink. Well, don't be surprised. Amen. It's just God's word. But they ended up doing worse then than all the heathen. That's dark, ain't it? When the church had gotten worse, worse than the heathen, there's a lot of them out there today that are supposed to be shepherding, but are seducing to evil. Amen. I had counsel with a couple here not long ago. I don't even say how long back we are. But I had counsel with a couple a good while back. And they wanted me to affirm their lifestyle. And I said, I can't do that in God's word. There's no way. And I found out that I found out that, that there's no shortages of churches out there that will. And they didn't have to go far. I'll not say where. Because I'm not here to bash churches. I'm here to glorify Jesus Christ. But they didn't have to go far. find a place amen amen and they end up being worse 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 this was the sum total that's kind of the sum total as they led others in that but this this is this is the before it turns this is the place this is the last place this is and maybe this maybe somebody here this morning I'm not saying it is but I'm surely not saying it ain't maybe somebody here this morning is at their last place at the very last, that's where they were at. And verse 10 comes, and here it is, verse 10, verse 10. And the Lord spake to Manasseh, God did. Through his word, through his prophets, whatever means, I don't know, maybe, maybe just verbally, I don't know. But he spoke to Manasseh and to the people. And this is what makes the picture even the, the darkest place on it. He spoke to them, but they would not hearken. Refused the warning. This is God's warning. How I many know grace is God's warning? Man, you better realize that when God warns, that is magnificent, wonderful, amazing grace. It's grace to keep you out of hell or some harm or some devil's pit or plot or struggle or destruction. It's the warning, but it's grace. I know it ain't got the fanfare of last week. I know it ain't got the music playing in the background and they're bringing the robe and they're bringing the fatted calf and they're doing all that, but it's still grace. It's still grace. It's still grace when the preacher get up and preach on some of these texts that make you despise him. But it's warnings all in it. It's still grace. Matter of fact, it might even be greater grace. It's grace. God warned. Ain't you glad? How many in here? Let's be honest again. How many got the warning? Look at me. Ain't you glad you got the warning? Ain't you glad? I'm so glad I got the warning. 
For surely my days were very numbered. They were very numbered. I got the warning and got grace, got saved, and got healed of something I didn't even know I had. Grace, my days were really numbered as well as some of y'all's. But it's the warning. Amen. It's, I'm just going to tell you this. It's hard to sin and not, God not warn you. Because he loves you that much. And he's not willing to let you go. He'll fight. He'll fight. Put up obstacles. He'll put up barriers. He'll make you walk across things. He'll make you climb across. He'll make you plot and plead. He'll make you, you have to work hard. I'm just going to tell you that. Sometimes you've got to work hard. To get beyond that grace that's trying to hold on to you. You've put mamas in your life, daddies in your life, preachers in your life, neighbors in your life, good friends in your life, people at the gas pump, people at Walmart, people here, people there. He sets up circumstances. He makes it hard. He whacks you in the conscience. He whacks you in the heart. He pricks. He sends his Holy Ghost to stir. He keeps you up all night. He, he, he wakes you early in the morning, and you wonder why sleep won't, won't, won't come. You wonder why there's no peace for the wicked, thus saith the Lord. You just wonder. Oh, you better thank God for the grace. For the grace. He warns. It's hard to sin without getting a warning. It is. Amen. You might reject, reap it, but he keeps warning. He keeps warning. It's a great danger. It's a great danger and to, 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 to keep stiffening your neck when he warns. He's never paying no heed. Never paying no mind. Did I give you Proverbs 29.1? Put that up there. Let's read that because that fits right there perfectly. He that is being often reproved. Warned and warned and warned and warned and warned and warned. Often reproved, he hardens his neck. He gets hard-headed, stubborn. You've heard the message. Oh, Brother Lee always preaches like that. He preaches that stuff all the time. Hey, it's all right. Ain't nothing going to happen. I'm just going to keep on living loose. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. One day, there's going to be sudden destruction. Sudden destruction. And what? Without grace. Without grace. Without remedy. Somebody say, man, I should have come last week when he's talking about the prodigal. Because this king is tearing my behind up. It's crazy. What's happened to the crazy grace? Well, when you keep rejecting the crazy grace, God loves you so much, he'll send the painful grace. He will. He sure will. will. But, but there's no remedy. So, so, man, don't keep pushing back on the, on, the, on the rebukes, on the correction, on the warnings. Quit pushing back on it. So this is kind of where it changed. Go to verse 10 again. We'll read back through that. Verse 10. Second Chronicles 33 and verse 10. Second Chronicles. But this is a good scripture. Don't you quit you murmuring. Right now, because you shall be destroyed like they were destroyed. 
I don't know. Maybe it fits somebody right there. I don't know. But the Lord spoke to Manasseh, to his people. They would not hearken. And in verse 11, verse 11, wherefore, they wouldn't listen. Wherefore, the Lord brought upon them. I know God's going to move. God's going The Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of one of the most cruelest nations on the earth at the time. The Assyrians. And they took Manasseh. I want you to get this. He was hiding in the thorns. I'd rather go say, man, can you get the imagery there? What an uncomfortable place. Hiding in the thorns. There ain't no comfortable place when you're hiding from God. There's nothing comfortable out there. You, you can't make, the, the cover's too short, the bed's too narrow. You can squirm, you can twist, you can move. I hate a short cover. I hate a narrow bed. Although me and my wife, we, I don't know how we used to do that. We slept for years on one of them little beds. I mean, we, we, we slept tight. For I'm serious. We didn't have a big bed till like five years ago, was it? Like five years ago, we finally got us a big bed. And we still love each other, but dang on, it feels pretty good. I have to reach for it, and I can't even hardly feel her no more. I'm like, is she over there? I raise up sometimes, and I'm like, man, yeah, she's over there. <laughs> but it's uncomfortable. He's hiding. He's hiding out over here because he kept refusing the warning. He kept pushing back the warning. So the Lord, so the Lord, the Lord brung affliction. I know we don't like it. And I know we don't probably even really want to talk about it. But the Lord brings affliction. He brings hard times. He brings Assyrian-like trouble. One of the cruelest sometimes, ruthless, handcuffed, chained. They said sometimes they use hooks, hooks in the nose to drag them around like even the Babylonians. Do you get that imagery? Cruel. Drug him back, drug him back, bound and fettered back to Babylon. Drug him back. Drug him back. Pain. Pain. Verse 12. Verse 12. And this is the whole. Now, I don't know the time lapse. I don't know what's went on. We don't get the story like we did with the prodigal. We don't get that when he came to himself. We don't get when he realized, man, we don't get a lot of the story there. But I got a good idea how it went. I don't feel like it was no real, real long time. I don't feel like this was a, a real long time. Of course, it may have been a season, a good season. Sometimes, sometimes I've seen people go through affliction for a long season, and I'm like, why? Why? Turn to God. Turn to Him. But when He was in affliction, He besought the Lord. A man who has never done nothing but go the opposite way. A man who, whose life was painted as black as you can be painted with sin. As dark as it can be. 
You've never seen him not even do one thing in a godly way. But he starts, he starts seeking or reaching out, searching for, looking for God. But this is the story. It wasn't, it wasn't really his God at this time. Look, he's seeking for the, he's besought the Lord his God, but it was really his father's God because it was the God of his fathers that he really knew. He didn't know God. And he began to look towards the God. I believe things began to come back around. I believe he began to think. I believe things began to turn in his mind. He began to think of how God had interacted with his father and, and, and how things began to tra- come through his mind. And, and no doubt he was venting pain, venting misery. How I many know that, that seeking God is a, is, is a way that a lot of times people vent the best in misery. When they're in misery, when they're in pain, people all the time vent through prayer or worship or seeking God. It's a good place. It's a good. If don't nothing drive you to the altar but affliction, you go with it. You go with it. That's a good place to, you go vent. You go vent. Don't you hold back. You go vent. If all you got is those kind of prayers, affliction, you take them to God, Manasseh. You run to the altar of Manasseh and you vent to God. You tell him. You seek him. You seek relief. You seek what you need from him. But there was this great desire for getting to twist in him. He knew God had seen his father through so much. He knew the stories. He knew the stories, army after army, how God had intervened. He knew the, the life. The death story. He, he knew all the he knew the stories of Elijah and Elijah. He knew all the stories. And he knew how God, just like some of y'all. Y'all know the story sometimes, sometimes too well. And sometimes it ain't till this grace of affliction that drives us to seek the story that we know in our mind for, for, for the help that we really need personally. He's the same God. The same God you read in these stories. He's the same God that desires to be sought here today. The same God that moves in great power. The same God that when Hezekiah had his face turned to the wall, he's the same God that desires to see and answer and hear us as we have our face turned to the altar or wherever we turn it to. Same God. Same God. I, I got to go where I'm going. I got to wind this down. Get, get there, get there, get there. But he was bending all this. He was seeking it. And through prayer and, and humbled himself greatly. Humbled himself greatly. Think about that. Humbled. That, that's, that's the grace of affliction. Even in my life now, sometimes it takes a small dose of affliction to bring me back to a place of humility. That I can really get in touch with God. Sometimes if things go too good, I don't do too good. I don't I hate that. I even know that. I'm like, daggone stupid. I know better than to think I'm more. But sometimes I get out of touch because things sometimes go so well. And it takes sometimes the hand of affliction. How many of that? It's God uses that. God, Isaiah, I want to read you these scriptures. That, that work off of that. Isaiah 57. And then we're going to get ready to 
to bring it home. Isaiah 57. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I feel like I ought to say that with some kind of authority. You know, I feel like I ought to say, For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I didn't say it much better. But anyway, you get the idea. It should be said with some kind of power because, man, that is awesome. That is awesome. Whose name is holy. His name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place. With him also, this is of, I am with him. I am with him also of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of humble, to revive the heart of the contrite one. Verse 16, for I will not contend forever. Sometimes a season of affliction is not forever. I'm going to tell you what Manasseh's days was numbered. Manasseh's days was numbered. And the hand of affliction was the last call. It was the last place of humbling. It's the last stop. He said, I will not contend, neither will I always be wrought, for the spirit should fail before me and souls which I have made. Verse 17, verse 17. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth, and I smote him. I hid me. I disappeared. I moved for he couldn't see me. He was distant now. I was wroth. He went on forwardly. Proud in the way of his heart. Manasseh, Manasseh, I have seen his ways and I will heal him. I will lead him also. Also and restore comfort unto him and unto his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near. This is all because of humility. Being humbled. The crushing of the olive, the hand of affliction. He says, I will heal, and I will heal. That's good enough, Kevin. I will heal him. That's, that's what he was under. That's where he was at. So back, back to 2 Chronicles, and i got to finish. I'm going, I'm going to finish this up right here. But I really want you to see this. 2 Chronicles 33, 14. 33, 14. 2 Chronicles 33, 14. Now after, oh, go back, excuse, excuse me, back, 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 back up, I jumped ahead of you. Go back to 13. I want to finish 13. So he prayed unto him, and he was entreated. How many know he was humbled, and he, he began to pray and to seek God, even in this place. He began to seek him. And the Bible says that God re- reciprocated. He answered. God answered. This dark character. You thought grace was amazing with the prodigal son. I'm going to tell you what, grace is so much brighter even in this story of this prodigal king whose life was so dark that all he had to do, all he had to do, did you catch this out? All he had to do was humble himself and seek God and pray. That was it. That was it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even have to begin to go. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes, sometimes you ain't like the prodigal son and you can't go to where the grace is. 
Sometimes grace got to come get you. And that's, the story, that's this story. Grace was so amazing. Grace came and got him. He humbled himself. He cried, cried out. He prayed. He prayed. And God reciprocated. God answered. God will answer you this morning. He will answer you. He heard his supplication. Listen, listen. He brought him again. How does this happen? You think this ain't grace? How does a besieged king locked up in a dungeon in Babylon, a, a war criminal, he's got no embassy, he's got no peace ambassadors, he's got no one acting on his behalf but God. Improbability, impossibility. I guarantee you, sitting in a jail cell, he's thinking, there's no way I'm going home. What's the possibility? I'm going to die right here with this hook in my nose. And this misery. I don't know God, haven't known God. But I've heard some things. And he sought him. And the Bible says he heard him, and I don't even know what happens in this space because it, it's not really important. We don't get the fanfare. Like I said, we don't see him bringing the fatted calf. We don't see the music. We don't see the festival. We just say that he brought him back. Grace come got him. Grace come got him. Brought him back to Jerusalem. Back to where he was carried off. Back to where the affliction started. Back to where he'd done his darkest deeds. Back to where it all went wrong. Back to his family. Back to the throne. No, not just back as a severe. Back to the throne. He's king again. My God, what grace. What grace. He's king again. What's the chances of that? I mean, we lose out a little bitty thing sometimes here on earth. We think, there's no way I'll get that back. It's something little, you know. There's no way. You keep praying, even if it's a huge thing. God reciprocates. If, he, if it is seemingly out of human possibility, you pray. Brung him back to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Listen, listen. This is where this is where Manasseh knew. Finally, you think grace ain't crazy in this story too? It's painful, but it's just about as crazy as it was last week. Because it's not till this point that all of a sudden Manasseh decides, you know what? He is God. He's just God. He's the almighty God. He's powerful. Everything my daddy said, everything my mama would whisper in my ear, every prayer I heard her pray, he is God almighty. He is great. How great is our God. How great. He knew him. Crazy grace. Crazy. Restored him back to the throne, and finally he says, you know what? He is God. He is God. 
This is, this is where this boy gets saved. I mean saved in our New Testament mind. This boy gets saved right here. He believes on the Lord right here. Faith enters his heart. He was hoping he was God. Maybe that's all you got in your heart this morning. Maybe all you got this morning is you hope he's God. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Humble yourself and hope and come seek him and know that he is God. Amen. Know that he is Lord. Know that he is. Know that he is. And this is how I know he got saved. This is how I know he got saved because what happens in the next couple of verses. In the next couple of verses, look, look what happens. Verse 14. Verse 14, now after this, everything he had undid. This guy, I don't know how many years, he's got not many years left now. He's spent most of his 50-some years living for the enemy and the evil one and undoing and, and tiring and being worse than the heathen and a scoundrel and rotten. And he'd been on every, he'd have been on every, every, every little magazine in the grocery store about all the wicked things. I mean, he's done so many things. But now he's got this feverish passion. You don't know how I know somebody's got to say, because it's conversion. It's conversion. People really get saved, and all of a sudden, there's a conversion. I don't tell you, I wouldn't give you a nickel for a life that says they're converted without conversion. There's a change. All of a sudden, the grace I'm preaching on converts. It comes get you, and it converts. It converted him. And everything that he would tore down. He was at a feverish pitch. I've got to undo all this evil. I know this feeling. I'm like, Lord, that's my story. I ran, ran as hard. I was, I was somewhat, I guess, I guess it is true. You are what you are. Because even, even as a sinner, I was somewhat of a, of a leader type person. And I, I led the band. I led the, not really the band, but I didn't play, didn't sing. I drank like a band member. But, but I led, I led the possession. I led all, all that to the sin. I did led the evil. And the minute I got saved, I had this feverish passion. I believe that's true repentance, according to Paul in Corinthians. That's true repentance, where you're zealously affected and you're fervent, and now you, you're just all about it. Everything he was tearing down, he was now rebuilding. He was doing. He, he, he now built a wall without the city of David on the west side again in the valley, even entering into, at the fish gate. And he compassed about Ophel, and he raised it up a very great height, and he put captains of the war over all the fenced cities of, Jerusalem, of, of Judah. Verse 15, he took away everything he had done. He began to take away the strange gods. Does this anybody else's story? Begin to take away the strange gods. And the idol, the idol that he set up in the house of the Lord. He's like, we're taking that joker out of there. That sucker's coming out. Amen. The same guy. Conversion. Grace converts. Grace really saves. The idol, he took it out of the house of the Lord. And all the altars that he had built... In the mount of the house of the Lord, he began to like, let's tire them down. And they cast them out of the city, tearing them down and removing them and getting rid of them. Fruits, fruits, fruits was going on. 
He was worried about all the wrongdoing. Fretted over all the wrongdoing. It's like a light come on. I've lived my life. Climbing the wrong ladder. And promoting the wrong ladder. And tearing down the right one. Amen. Verse 16. Verse 10. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. He repaired it. Conversion. And he sacrificed thereon peace offerings. Thank you, Lord. Thank offerings. Well, I'm a big praise idiot. I'm a big worship monger. I, I love all that stuff. I think I, I thought, you know what? I just want to tell you this. Gratitude is the echo of grace. It is. I'm going to tell you, if you've got grace, hey, if you've got grace, you can't help it. You can't, it's going to be that echo, 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 echo. You're going to be grateful all the days of your life. If you've got true grace. And if you can just go on about your merry way, there's no echo. I wonder, did you get grace? Did you really? Give up these offerings, these dank offerings. And listen, listen, here's cool. He's the king. He can do this. It don't work this way. We'll see that. But it's cool. He's so zealous. I'm the king. I command everybody. I did that as a pastor a few times. I commanded everybody. I command, man, you quit that stinking sin. I command you do this for the Lord. I command Man, that's zealous. That's zeal. Come on, you been around people like that? They so zealous. I like. Remember old Josiah? He said, "I'll kill y'all if y'all don't do it right." Remember? I thought Josiah. Josiah even took it further. By the way, that was his grandson. I got to thinking, yeah, old Manasseh put some good stuff in his grandson. Because it was one of the great revivals that was under Josiah. Manasseh had just a few years left with his grandson. And he instilled in him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not just the blood now. Not just the blood of David in their veins. No, no, Josiah ended up with the ways of his father David in his heart. He commanded. But here's... I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to do it. There's still hints of pain in this story. For a life spent. There's still some hints. There's still some hints of pain left in Manasseh's life. Because you can see the zeal now. Man, I want you to serve God so bad. I've even said it. I'll do it for you if I can. What can I do? Can I run around to church for you? Can I speak in tongues for you? Can I hope and holler for you? What can I do? And then verse, verse 17. He commanded them, but nevertheless, the people, they sacrificed still in the high places. Now, they were still sacrificing to God, but their heart was still chasing after these idol images that were not God. 
How many know we can feel the church all day long, but yet our hearts still may be far from God? Here was the hint. Here's still the hint I can see, I can see in this scripture is, is you better be careful because a lot of times you can lead people a whole lot easier in sin than you can lead them back to God. Manasseh's getting a little taste of this. As he's working as feverishly, and I, I'm going to as passionately as he can, he's working, he's, he's trying, he's doing everything. I tell you, he's doing everything I think he knows to do. But here's the thing. As much as he tried to undo it all, he couldn't undo it all. To me, that, that's just a hint of sorrow is in my own heart. I have feverishly worked since I got saved at 26 years old over all these years. And I run into old friends and old brothers. I have even actually took, took and went to some people's house to try to make things right from that prior life. Working feverishly to undo. Well, that's grace. It is. It really is. Zacchaeus. Numerous other scriptures. But feverishly I have. I'd run into, me and Cindy was coming out of voting booth one day, out of the voting precinct, and I run into an old boy that we had had fisticuffs. Not very pleasant ones either uh, in, in years gone by. And he seen me and his eyes got great big. And I seen him and I grinned. And I could see it bothered him. It worried him. I'm like, I just ran in the face. I just broke the ice. I just said, man, I just, and I told him in later, I said, man, and we, we Facebook friends now. People are wrong. I tried to do the, some, some things, though, you can't undo. You can't. You can't. You can't. That's why, that's the important. God instills this place in it. This little scripture in here. Just so, just so we'll be careful. Be careful because it still does matter. Grace still matters. Yeah, oh, grace will still cover, but, but what we've done sometimes does matter. Amen. Amen. So I want to close with this thought. Come on up here, if y'all will. Here, here's the thing. Man, here's what I'd want to say out of that. Don't be the devil's net. No. Don't. Man, you be careful how you allow the enemy to use you to, in, to influence others. You be careful. I know, I, know, I know they say this won't hurt, that won't hurt. You be careful about what you say won't hurt. You be careful about what you say is okay. You be careful. Do you say, oh, God, don't care about you. You be careful that you're not a net in the hand of the devil. This junk going on nowadays with preachers, pastors, pastors saying it's okay to do this or that. Come on. I would tell them, man, you're not going to be able to undo some of that. You may get right with God and be saved, but you can't undo some of that. You might end up in heaven yourself, but you might have led a thousand others to hell. You be careful, mama, dad. You be careful. You that's got influence, you be careful. What an awesome story. What an awesome, from a dungeon, far, far from where he was supposed to be. He now finds his face to the wall. Praying.
just like his father. And grace. One of the most painful situations ever. Grace. Cain got him. And just as the scripture don't go into it, more or less just transported him right back. Grace is like that. I can't do that for you, but my God, grace can. I can't restore you like that, but my God, grace can. Restoration. Restoration. I wonder this morning, I've preached this with this thought early in my mind. And I would say this, man, don't you limit grace this morning. If anything, this story tells us it should teach you not to limit grace. Where sin does abound. Grace, much, not just more, but much. Do you see it in this story? Much more. I come with this thought really in my mind. I've come to tell somebody that grace will come this morning for you that are hurt. Grace will come for you that's in pain. Even if you're in the affliction, even like Manasseh, of your own doings. Or maybe you're in the afflictions of someone else. But grace will come. Grace can come. And I wonder in this place this morning, is there anybody hiding in the thorns? Are you hiding in the thorns this morning? Uncomfortable, hurting, painful. Let grace find you this morning. Grace can take an old, dark, dark, sin-filled, evil, wicked, he wasn't just weak. He was wicked. Wicked. Grace changes wicked people. Not just weak people. I'm glad grace helps those weak people. But I tell you what, grace changes wicked people. If you're here this morning, you're hiding in the pain. Hiding in the pain. Don't limit grace this morning. Don't limit it. Even though you're far, far away. Humble yourself. Seek God this morning. I can't manufacture the grace. I can tell you, humble yourself. I can't wipe the grace on you. But I can tell you, humble yourself. Seek God. To seek Him. And pray. Call on Him. He's the one that reciprocates. He's the one. Is anybody in this place this morning hiding in the thorns? Uncomfortable and don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. Hurt and don't want to hurt anymore. Need restoration. Needs grace to come. Don't feel like I can. I don't feel like, but grace can come. Is anybody like that this morning? I'm going to let them play and sing. And I'm going to open this altar. Because grace will have to come get you. Grace and His Spirit, His Word. Did you hear the Word this morning? Did you hear the Word? Did you hear the Word? Your life ain't that dark. I know you. Your life ain't that dark. But even if it was, 
grace is much more brighter. Let grace bring you out of the thorns this morning. Take you back to the place that he wants you. That's what the story was about. Put him back where he was supposed to be. Let grace put you back where you're supposed to be. Where you're supposed to be. Anybody not where they're supposed to be because of sin? Let grace. Brother Angle, I'm shooting every bullet I got. I'm, I'm, I'm telling anything that's on my, I'm trying as hard as I can, as zealous, trying to undo some evil. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right, brother. Amen. That's right. That's right. How about it this morning? I'm going to let grace work in here.